All right, let me pray and we will jump right in. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. All of our attention is directed towards you, Father. We just pray tonight, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive, open our ears to hear everything you are saying, Lord. We love you, Father. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, let me grab my clicker here. So, the title of the message tonight is Reflection, and we're coming into a time of the year because we don't have a Wednesday service next week. Uh, Thanksgiving will be next week, and we're moving into that time where we should be reflecting on the things that we are thankful for. And then coming right out of that is, it'll be Christmas time, not right after that, but it seems like it. In the, every store you walk into, it will seem like it's Christmas time, probably already. So this is a time to reflect. And what I want us to reflect on is, who are you? And if I ask you, who are you? The first thing you're probably going to say is your name. And I'm trying to get something a little deeper than that. What I want to know is, if someone uh, outside of this building. Uh, Maybe you're in a job interview and somebody asks you who you are um, or tell me a little bit about yourself. Who would you say you are? What are the top three things on that list that you would say? And it's going to take me a couple of minutes. I'm trying to build a a foundation for what I'm really going to be talking about. The meat's going to come a little bit later, but we've got to work through a few things first. If someone on the street asks asks you who you are, what would you say? Think of three things in your mind, the top three things that you would say about who you are. Most of the time when, especially in a job interview or something like that, the first thing that we would say is something work-related, like I'm a, a manager, an accountant. We have several pilots that go to church here I seems like a very high average of, of pilots. We have brokers, that type of thing, etc. You might say, well, I'm a father or a mother, a husband or a wife, an American. If you're outside of the country and somebody asks you who you are, you probably say you're an American. I hope you wouldn't say that here in the country. You might say Republican or Democrat. We're not going to spend a lot of time right there, so... Most importantly, a life group leader. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) Whenever, uh, for years, uh, I was a manager, and for 17, 18 years, I had to do most of the hiring uh, in my departments. And over 17 years, I would say I probably did 800, 900 interviews, uh, the place where I worked basically was in a constant state of hiring. And when you talk to an applicant coming in, they, they were always really good about the, the business part of what they did, what they do, their schooling, that type of stuff. But when you asked a simple question like, who are you? What are your hobbies? Tell me about yourself about 50% of the time, they would say, or, or something to this effect, what do you mean? It's like, tell me about yourself. Well, what do you mean? What, what part? Uh, 
and it was, you could start developing an idea of whether this person was well-rounded by what they could tell you in an interview, and that was a key part of interviews for me. So I want to know today, I, I want you to know today who you are. That's what this whole message is about. Everything good that you are today is absolutely and completely because of who God is. If you have been a Christian for any time at all, over a day, everything good that is in your life came from the Lord. And we don't realize it, but that's even true before we're, we become a Christian. The Lord has chosen you. You have been called, and the Lord is at work in your life well before you ever accepted him as your Lord and Savior. The Lord makes us much better versions of every part of our life. So if we look at this list again, and we see all of these things, the Lord's at work, should be at work in our, in our workplace. The Lord definitely makes us better parents. Hopefully, the Lord is making us a much better spouse, a husband or a wife, an American. We'll skip the next one. Life group leader. Hopefully, if you're a life group leader, you're, you're well on your way to uh, knowing a lot about the Lord and accepting who you are in Him. But where does being a Christian fall into this? It's really one of the main points that I want to talk to you today. If you were in a job interview, would you being a Christian even come up in the interview? In just a minute, we'll look at a kind of an order of what we think are the most important things in our lives. And being a Christian is right up there with the number one thing in our life that should be God. At the top of our priority list, we'll look at it in just a moment, but being a Christian is the most important thing about who you are. Every single one of us, it's the most important thing about who we are. And it should have a huge impact on every single part of our lives. In Romans 12, 2, in the New Living Translation, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. His will for your life is perfect. We just have to know what that is and walk into it. And a big part of that is knowing who we are in Him. If we fail in this life that the Lord has given us and, and the Lord has renewed, if we fail to realize who we are in Him, we, we will never meet our maximum potential on this earth. What God has called you to do and who you are if you know those things, you have a very good chance of reaching your potential on this earth. If you don't, you will be lost your entire life, you'll be confused, and you'll know something is missing. The way you think affects what you say, 
and your words carry power. So your thoughts and your words greatly impact how you act. And this really sums up where I want to go with this tonight. There's so many different aspects of life, and we'll talk about several here in just a couple of minutes, that if we don't know who we are in Christ, we don't know who God is in us. Everything that, that we are, I've already said it, is because of Him. But if we fail in any aspect of our life to not recognize who we are because of what God is doing in us, because He lives in us, we're living a shell of the life God wants for us. In 2 Corinthians 10.5 in the NIV, we call it, in Karis, we call this the nearly inspired version, but this is a, a really good uh, scripture, and this was the best scripture, that I, the best version that I could find. Um, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Today, You've all been out in the world today. Did you take captive every thought that came against you today? Were you its master or did that thought master your time today? If something bad happens, you, what did you think? Did we grab that thought and say, no, that's not who I am. Who I am We'll forgive that person for what they just said. We'll forgive that person for what they just did. This is kind of a high level right here, but we're going to be um, tightening down on what I'm talking about here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to be talking about healing, marriage, and several other things. Your priorities make up a major part of who you are. The way you have set your priorities, whether you know what those priorities are not, they, they are very, very strong components on who you are as a person. And more importantly, how you act as a person. Here's a pretty normal set of priorities I would say this is very, very close to my set of priorities. And like we talked about earlier, God is at the top of those priorities. And that makes me being a Christian very, very important in my life. If somebody asks me who I am in any situation, I hope that being a Christian comes out in that conversation very quickly. Because it impacts everything that I am. Your spouse... If you're married, your spouse should be number two. Your children should be number three. Not reversed. I know that's hard when you've got little kids at home, but if you keep your spouse second and your children third, things will go well with you. People very often put their children first or or put their children in the place between first and second, and then when they finally get old and they move away from home, if they're still married they struggle because their children's life has been their life. They've been living through their children, and that's not the way to go. She is my second priority, constantly. It never changes. God is my first priority. And 
My children are very, very important to me. My other family, my mother, my brother, they're, they're important to me, but they, my mother doesn't come before my spouse. She is very important to me. And then my church family right behind my family. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We're supposed to be imitators of God right here on earth. We're supposed to be imitating him because he is living in us. He is, he is part of us every day, everywhere we go, no matter where we are. So who are you? Who are you tonight? We are Christians. That's the number one thing that we are, should be, Christians. I want to share a, several uh, people from the Bible who, at, for times, didn't know who they were. For a time, early in the Bible, Moses thought that he was supposed to free the Jews from, the, from Egypt by killing one Egyptian at a time until they were all gone. And he realized very quickly that that wasn't going to work out, and he fled. Because God had a plan for him, and he had to figure out what that plan was. He had to walk up a mountain and talk to a burning bush to figure out what that was. Gideon thought he was a farmer. He was a warrior, a very important warrior. But for a long time, he thought he was a farmer. The list could go on and on. King Saul really never figured out who he was. He spent his whole life doing his plans instead of doing God's plans. And that's a, a trap that we can fall into ourselves. Are we going to follow what the Lord wants us to do and, and do what the Lord wants us to do? Or are we going to do what we want to do and try to please men our whole lives? King David. You could say that King David had a pretty good idea of who he was, especially during the fight with Goliath. But when he was standing out on his porch one evening, watching Bathsheba take a bath, he forgot who he was. He forgot that he was the king and what his standards should have been. For a short time, he forgot who he was. And that could be, not this situation hopefully, but that could be something that we have to deal with several times a day. It's easy when everything's going right to be who God wants you to be and to be what God has called you to be. But when things get difficult, are you who God called you to be? 
Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, definitely did not know who he was at first. He thought he was helping God by killing Christians and putting them in prison and all of those things. He was led astray by religion and false doctrine. But he figured out who he was in the end. So I want to talk about the different parts of our lives that can definitely be, if we don't know who we are, can definitely be uh, problem areas in our life, but it shouldn't be. If you're dealing or waiting on a healing in any part of your life, if you're suffering from something, every person in here has dealt with things in their life. Every person has dealt with attacks. But how you react to those things, how you act towards those things, could have a great impact on who you are. Jesus says we're healed. By his stripes, we have already been healed. So why are some of us sick? I deal with things. Why? Well, many times it might be because I'm not walking in who God says I am. I'm not receiving what God has already paid for. What Jesus paid for, I may not be walking in those things. It is critically important that we self-check ourselves every single day when we get out of bed and we say, this is who I am. This is who I am because God says this is who I am. His promises are over my life. They're over my family. And it is because of what he says. That is the truth. Not what the doctor says. Not what md.com says. It's what God says that's the truth. It, It may be a fact that you're dealing with something. It may be a fact that you're dealing with arthritis. It may be a fact that you are dealing with cancer, but God says you're healed. And that is the truth. Every single time, in every situation, we have to know who we are and we have to react to those things correctly. Finances. Pastor Mark spent a lot of time talking about this last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But if a CPA or a tax person or somebody that was trying to help you with your budget, if they looked at your finances, could they tell you were a Christian by looking at your bank statement? Finances are so important because where we sow is part of our heart. We talk about it a lot before our offerings. Where our money is going is where our heart is. So, who are you in your finances? Would your, would your finances and your bank statement reflect that you're a Christian in any way whatsoever? Who are you? In your connections here at the church, out in the public, who are your friends? If somebody knew five of your closest friends, 
could they assume that you're a Christian because of the people that you hang around with? If you're trying to get connected here at the church, we've got, we, we strive for many different avenues to help get you connected. Life groups is just one of those. We have right now, I think, 76 public life groups. The semester is about to wrap up, but if you say, well, I'm having problems get connected, I'm going to say, have you tried all 76? I want you to, because there's a group that's right for you. If you can't find that group and get connected and be with like-minded Christians, I want to help you get connected. I know that there's groups that you know, they may seem cliquish to you or something like that. There's groups that have been together for 10 plus years right here in this church. But I want to tell you something. A life group could be as few as two people. Could be three people. Could be four people. It could be 50 people. But if you have a life group with two or three good people, you will be connected with those people much faster, much stronger than you will in a group with 150 people. And we want to help you get connected. Your potential here and in life has to do a lot with connections. So are you willing to do, go to 10 life groups to find the right one to help you get connected? We want that for you. Grow Teams is another place where you can, you can get connected, being part of a team here at the church. Grow Teams are where you serve here at the church, it, whether it's out in the parking lot, whether it's greeting at the door, whether it's working in the, the information booth. There's a place for you, and you will get connected with people. Um, our Grow Teams... Uh, Thursday nights that we do at the, at the end of every month, our team nights, we have a great big party, we eat together, and if you want to get on a grow team, we want you to be part of that. It's a great time. Sometimes we just play games, but it's a lot of um, getting connected. Really, it's a great big life group, but we end up breaking a lot of nights into smaller groups, and it is a great time. We want you to be part of that. If you're having trouble getting connected here, come to team night. It's gonna, it's, we're pushing it back because we're working on some things. It'll be coming up in February, but we want you to be part of that. So marriage. We're, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. Uh, when, before we were ever married, Misty and I were, were ever married, uh, this building was our church. Um, we actually got married right back there somewhere uh, 24 and a half years ago give or take. Yeah. Yeah. If I can just stay straight for six more months, it's going to be 25 years and I'm, I'm going to make it. I am going to make it. So when we first got, we're about to get married, we went to marital counseling and one of the pieces of advice we got, this was not with this church establishment, by the way. Um, we were told one of the pieces of advice, we were told not to argue. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so, and, and, and the advice went on to say, well, it takes two to argue, so if you just don't participate, then there can't be an argument. Really, really dumb. It's really dumb. 
and it caused, and I took it to heart. I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to try this out. So for about, no kidding, it took, I'm a slow learner on some things. It took me about five, eight years, something like that, to get past it. And uh, I just wouldn't argue. If a, tough, if a tough subject came up and I didn't want to deal with it, I would just say, I'm not going to argue about this, and that's final. I would just stop talking. And you, you can understand how frustrating that has to be for your spouse. Uh, and the, it, it would grow, and she would get upset, and I would continue to act the same way I acted. By the way, I was not a Christian then either. When we got married, we weren't Christians. Uh, I was raised in church, but I really... My mother said she thought I was saved. I don't think I was until a little later in life. But um, I did. I, you know, I just pretty much did what I wanted to do. I spent money how I wanted to do it, and it would get to the point where we would get real upset. She would get upset. I would get upset, and then I would say things that uh, weren't appropriate. Uh, I'm leaving. I'm done. I want a divorce. I've said all of those things. Not recently, many years ago, okay? <laughs> Not recently. Uh, we have an outstanding marriage. Now, I, I'm not bragging, but I don't know anyone that has as good a marriage as she and I do. And I love her. She is my best friend. Uh, and Yeah. She's super good to me despite all that. Um, and in that... I said a lot of things that I shouldn't have said, and I, there was opportunities to quit, uh, many opportunities to quit. It wasn't, we didn't fight every day, but every time there was a fight, it was bad. Uh, it was a bad argument. And I didn't know who, who I was in Christ. I did not know who I was at that time, and I definitely didn't know who she was in Christ because we weren't Christians yet. And if you're in a marriage and you say anything like these things, we aren't recognizing that Christ is in us. We're, we are a mile away from that. If we, and we definitely don't understand that Christ is in that other person because you would not talk to Christ like that. You would not say, Christ, I'm divorcing you, I'm out. You wouldn't do it. If you're if you're dealing in struggles in your marriage, if you're having hard times, it is imperative that you know who you are in Christ. I want to give you a little secret, especially if you're newly married. You cannot fix your spouse. You cannot do it. The only thing that you can do, and it works very well, is to pray for that person constantly and, and let God fix them. Let God slowly correct them as they go through life. And I know there are situations, maybe abusive situations, there might be um, situations where one uh, spouse is committing adultery. That is a whole separate issue and I'm not gonna talk about that tonight. Um, you can get in touch with Pastor Terry and he'll deal with that <laughs> after, later. So. His phone lines are ringing. I can already feel it. So, But if there's anything, if, if you don't have a great marriage, make sure you're checking every single morning. I am a child of God. My spouse is a child of God. 
And God wants what's best for both of you. He doesn't want you to be fighting, bickering, all that stuff. And, and there are going to be challenges. I'm not going to tell you that everything is, roses are coming up just in our yard every single day because they're not. There are challenges. But with God, all those things are so simple to get by, get past. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. One of the easiest traps to fall into in marriage, in, in a friendship, with another family member is when you get a bad attitude or thoughts toward that other person, you have to change your mind. You have to think on the things that are worthy of praise about that person. It is critically important. Whoever it is, a parent, a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, we got to think about what is good about those people. What good are they, are they bringing? we got to find out what's excellent about them and think on those things. Not all the, the bad stuff, and there could be a lot of bad stuff, but find one good thing and start there and work your way towards more of those things. I want to tell you, I wanna, there are probably over a hundred promises about you in the Bible. And I just want to share some of those with you today. You are, a, you are God's child. I've already said that a few times. I've got scripture references up here. If you're taking notes, they'll be available in the app later as well. You are God's child. You are blessed and highly favored. This is one of my favorites. And I don't have a scripture for this because this is actually part of two scriptures. Curtis, raise your hand for me. Everybody know who Curtis is? Every time I see Curtis, he says this to me. And I appreciate it every single time he says it. And the conversation goes like this. I say, how are you, Curtis? And he says, I'm blessed and highly favored. And so are you. And I look at him and I say, you're right. I am blessed and highly favored. And then I skip off. Because... He's right. Each and every one of us are blessed and highly favored. If you don't know Curtis, go say hi to him. He's going to be worn out tonight. He's going to be worn out, but maybe wait till this weekend. He's a good man, and and they have a great testimony. He and Cynthia have a great testimony. You should hear it sometimes. You are the righteous of God because God made you righteous. Jesus Christ dying on a cross made you righteous. You are the head and not the tail. That means you're on top, you're not below. You are more than conquerors. You are strong. You are powerful. You are not weak. You are not feeble. No matter what your health situation is, You have the God of the universe on your side. You have the one true God fighting for you in everything you do. You are not feeble. You are not weak. Anytime you call on his name. 
You are loved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's artwork. Each and every one of you. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how you feel. God made you different from everyone else so that you would stand out in everything you did. So, how many of you have seen the movie The Lion King? Okay, that's about half. In just a moment, we're going to turn the lights down a little, and I'm going to play you a clip. And you are the lion that's standing above the water. His name is Simba in the movie. But James Earl Jones Jones can tell you a lot better about who you are and much more dramatically than I can. Guys, will you turn the lights down? Father is waiting. Do you see him? I don't see anything. Look closer. You see? Simba. Dad? Simba, you must take your place in the circle of life. I can't. You must remember who you are, the one true king. I'm sorry. I don't know how to be like you. As king, I was most proud of one thing, having you as my son. That was a long time ago. No, Simba. That is forever. Please, don't leave me again. I never left you. I never will. Remember who you are. Remember. (laughs) We didn't give away anything in the movie. If you haven't seen it, you have no idea what's going to happen. I want you to remember who you are. He is living in you. He has never left you, and he never will. You were created in his image. When you see your reflection in a mirror, look for the Lion of Judah. He lives inside of each and every one of us. All the time. And he will never leave us. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. I passed on to you what was most important. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So he's about to tell us what is most important. And what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scripture said. 
He's telling us here what's most important. Everything you are is because of who he is. What you are is because of what he did. This next week is Thanksgiving. Let's take time to think about who you are, what you're thankful for, what you're thankful for in your spouse, what you're thankful for in your parents. You've got a whole week before we, uh, two weeks really, before we come back for Wednesday night service to think about it. Think about all the things that you're thankful for in these coming weeks. No matter what your situation is, you've got things to be thankful for. The fact that you're here in this building, this is a good church. These people are good people. They want you to connect. The fact that you're sitting here means you've got something to be thankful for. Reflect on it. Reflect on those things in the coming weeks. Tonight, tomorrow morning when you wake up. Let me pray. Father, we love you so much. And Father, everything we are is because of who you are, who you have made us to be, Lord. We, made, you, we were made to be carriers of you here on earth. We carry you everywhere we go, and we are so glad that we do, Father. Thank you, Father, for blessing us. Thank you that we are highly favored in your eyes. Every day, everywhere we go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.